Great accomplishments take great time. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie Show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp, and today we have part two of our message with John Maxwell about going from ordinary to extraordinary. Here's John. Number five, great accomplishments take great time. It just takes time to do something great. George Buffon said, genius is nothing but a greater aptitude for patience. <laughs> Let me give you two realities concerning time. I was playing golf with a wonderful friend the other day, and he was, he was talking to me about in his business, things were not going as well as he wanted it to, and, and I could tell that he was a little impatient and quite a bit frustrated. And I shared with him what I'm going to share with you now in your notes, because there are two realities concerning time. There are the things that we work for, and there are the things that we wait for. And we have to understand the difference between what do I work for and what do I wait for? And waiting is not easy for us. It's not an American thing, is it, huh? In, 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 in a country that where two industries thrive, fast food r restaurants and fast weight loss clinics. <laughs> in fact, recently, I've been praying, God, teach me Teach me the difference between the things I work for and the things I wait for. They were interviewing the sculptor who did Mount Rushmore. And they asked him the question. They said, now, with those faces on that rock up there, did, did you do a, a perfect job of sculpture? And he said, no. He said, no. He said, the, um, the nose of George Washington is about an inch too long. But it's okay. In a thousand years, erosion will make it just right. <laughs> That's patience. That's learning to wait for some things. Statement number six. Some things only work out if given enough time. Some things only work out when, when given enough time. I was reading in Golf Magazine recently the story of Sam Snead, where a guy was talking about playing golf with him, and of course Sam was such a great golfer. And on the first hole, he, did a, he, he made a triple bogey, three over par. But he seemed very unruffled, and as he was walking off the green, he looked at his partner and said, that's why they have 18 holes of golf. Oh. That's why they've got 18 holes. It, it, it'll, it'll work out. Be patient. It takes time. <laughs> Number three. If you want to go from ordinary to extraordinary, you and I need a little extra help. We need a little extra help because we, we are not going to be able to do it by ourselves. And you see the quote there? If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he had help getting there. Can I tell you something? 
I'm a turtle on a fence post. Didn't get here on my own. I'm not that good, not that fast, not that smart, not that gifted. And what I have found, the difference between ordinary people and extraordinary people, is those who hit extraordinary, they had help getting there. They didn't do it on their own. I can think back as a young man when I was pastoring and Margaret and I wanted to have some kind of financial secure future and um, with the income that I was making in the pastorate, it just really wasn't going to happen. And I had an opportunity to invest uh, in a partnership in a nursing home. And again, we didn't have enough money to, to invest, nor did I have enough probably good credit at that time or a big enough salary to get the money that I needed. And I remember I went to a friend of mine. Skip Elmore was his name. And I said, Skip, here's my opportunity. And he was financially blessed, and, and I was able to help him get into the partnership himself. And, and I remember he loaned me the money. And I remember as, as that investment started paying off, Margaret and I never took a penny. We, we, tithed, we tithed off of what was happening without taking the money out, and we just kept putting it back into his hands until we paid it completely off. And then, and then I was able, with that one, to, to go to a bank, and, and I was able to get my next loan. And, and then I was able to meet the vice president who said to me, John, I'm going to work a portfolio up for you for the next five years. And he said, we're going to help you with this. And, and he said, it's going to be in five years. All you got to do is pick up the phone, and, and you'll, you'll have your money at any time. Keep your record good. Pay your bills on time. And I paid them on time and a little bit extra. And let me tell you something. When God blessed us and we began to have other opportunities in nursing homes, Margaret and I realized we would never got there without somebody giving us a little extra help. And think about it. Think about you. Think about the fact that not only would you get there without somebody giving you a little extra help, but think about the privilege that you and I have of giving other people extra help to help them get there too. That's the way life should be. When, when, when you have been blessed by someone else, don't, don't be a reservoir. Be a river. Pass it on. Share. Add value to someone else. Let me share with you in your notes the kind of help that helps me. Number one is opportunity. It's just wonderful in your business when you're able to provide and share someone else what a wonderful opportunity they have to go from ordinary to extraordinary. And I love this statement. An opportunity is never lost. It's just passed on to someone else. Number two, advice from the right people. I've had a lot of help because I've had good advice from a lot of good people. And by the way, there are two ways to disaster. <laughs> Number one is take nobody's advice. Boy, I know people like that. They just don't listen to anybody. That, that's, a sure, that's a sure highway to disaster. And number two is take everybody's advice. <laughs> you see, the answer is not nobody, or the answer is not everybody. The answer is the right people. So in your notes, who are the right people? People who have success and experience in the area that you need help. People who have unconditional love for you. People who have good thinking skills. I like this next statement, people who have nothing to gain by your choice. And finally, 
people who are unemotionally involved in your situation. And Cyrus was exactly right when he said, many receive advice, but only the wise profit from it. And I would just say this before I go on, because we talked about a little extra help. Georgia Lee and I were talking about this over dinner. Now, I know you wouldn't know this to look at her, but, but we've put a few years on us now. And we talked about the fact that the older you get, it just seems like life goes faster. And it, it's, it's almost at this stage where you're almost in a panic. You say, I've got I've to pack as much in as I possibly can. And we were talking about it. Margaret leaned over and she said, did you tell her the toilet paper deal? And I, and I laughed. I said, I had. You see, I've always compared life getting older to toilet paper. The closer you are to the end, the quicker it goes. <laughs> I just want to say this before I go to number four, because I'm talking about a little extra help. The longer I live, the more I listen and the more I'm grateful. I want to listen more because I want to learn. It's the only vehicle of learning is listening. And I want to be more grateful because I'm that turtle on a fence post. I didn't get there on my own. Well, let's review it for a moment. To go from ordinary to extraordinary, we need a little extra effort, a little extra time, a little extra help. Let's go to number four. We need a little extra realism. We need a little extra realism to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Max Dupree said the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and give a confession. This is very difficult for me. This has been a weakness for me. This is not my strength. I've always been a dreamer. I've always been a person who looks on the positive side. I've always been a person who had great hope. I don't have many emotionally down days. This has been a weakness of mine. This is something I've had to learn in my last few years. This is something I've had to, I've had to kind of grab hold of because I realized that, um, that too often I wasn't realistic. Sometimes I would look at my own strength or my own giftedness and think that everybody else could come along with me, and sometimes they could, and sometimes they couldn't. And I've had to back up. And about 12 months, 18 months ago, the good advice of Jack Welch really helped me. It's in your notes, six rules for successful leadership from the CEO, CEO, Jack Welch. Here's what he said. Number one, control your destiny or someone else will. Two, face reality as it is, not as it was or as you wish it were. Three, be candid with everyone. Four, don't manage lead. Five, change before you have to. And six, if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. That stuff grabbed me. Because all of a sudden I realized I needed to face reality as it was. Not as I wanted it to be, not as I thought it should be, not as it was. Just what is real. That's the solid ground to stand on. I have a book that will be coming out in April called Thinking for a Change. It's in your notes. 11 Ways Highly Successful People Approach Work and Life. Basically the book is about 
11 ways that successful people think that unsuccessful people don't think because the thesis of the book is the greatest difference between successful and unsuccessful people is how they think. Oh my goodness. And in the book, I have a chapter on realistic thinking. And I just want to take a moment and just, just carve out one little part of that chapter. Go to your notes. What is your natural bent? Is it toward optimism or realism? Take a look at the phrases that I went through in my evolution as a more realistic thinker, plus one more level that I have not yet achieved, and see which statement best describes where you are. And these, this was just my steps. This is my journey. In the beginning, I do not engage in realistic thinking. I went to the next level. I do not like realistic thinking. Three, I will let someone else do realistic thinking. Four, I will do realistic thinking only after I'm in trouble. I worked on that mode for several years. Five, I will do realistic thinking before I am in trouble. Oh, there's a thought. Six, I will continually make realistic thinking a part of my life. Seven, I will encourage my key leaders to do the same. Number eight, I will make realistic thinking the foundation of our business. Boy, I'm right there. That's where I am. Number nine, I derive certainty and security from realistic thinking. And then number ten, I rely heavily on facts and often make judgments according to the worst case scenario. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. It's just my journey. It may not be yours, but here's what I know. If you want to go to ordinary to extraordinary, you and I are going to have to come to grips with realism. Where am I right now? Because realism gives us a foundation we can build on. Here's the way I describe it. Realism is the foundation I build on, and my dream is the way that I soar to a new level. But I've got to have a foundation before I can soar. That was John Maxwell, and you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under John Maxwell going from ordinary to extraordinary. You can also find out more information about him at his website, johnmaxwell.com. Hope you have an amazing day, and I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless.